You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash Film School. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. The documentary The Devil Came on Horseback exposes the violence and tragedy of the genocide in Darfur as seen through the eyes of a lone American witness, using thousands of uncompromising and exclusive photographs taken by former U.S. Marine Captain Brian Steidel during his role as a military observer with the African Union. Our guest today, director Ricky Stern, leads us through the tragic impact of an Arab government bent on destroying its black African citizens. Ricky Stern, how did you uh, come across the subject of Darfur? Were you well aware of what was going on there, or or did you uh, run across Brian Steidel first and, and get your eyes opened by his story? We really learned of Brian and became more aware of Darfur. I knew of what was happening in Darfur because I had been reading a little bit about it in the New York Times and read uh-huh. Nick Kristoff's op-ed pieces about it. We learned of Brian that when he was in Darfur and had been taking photographs, he was working as an African Union peace monitor. It wasn't until he came back that we actually saw his photographs and and began to hear his story. Was there a point in time that you decided you wanted to make the documentary or was you know did you right off the bat want to do the documentary or was this something after seeing the photographs and meeting with him you uh, came upon that? Well, when when we heard about the photographs, we thought we could make it into a film, but it was definitely upon seeing the photographs and then hearing Brian's story that we pursued it and knew that there was you know that we had to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Now you uh his sister was also a part of this. Well, we met Gretchen first and it was in in speaking with his sister Gretchen about her work in Africa that we learned about Brian. She works with women um all over Africa. Now she's just been in Rwanda. Um, her work with Global Grassroots is to teach women and work with women to foster entrepreneurial skills so that they become self-sufficient and, and really to support their own business ventures in these countries in Africa. So she went with Brian after he returned to the United States. Brian wanted to go back to Sudan, and the closest he really could get because of security risks to himself was to go to Chad, a neighboring country where many of the refugees from Darfur have fled over two million of them have fled into the um, areas on the border of Chad and, and Darfur. And so Brian and his sister Gretchen went to Chad for several reasons, but one, Brian's purpose was to see what was going on there and to try to get new information back out to the United States. Gretchen was there working with the women and learning more about sort of the women's needs there and so that her group could, could try to meet those needs, and she came back to the United States and raised funds for those women. Wanted to talk a little bit about just the numbers regarding uh, Darfur. The estimates are currently how many people have perished. Well, the numbers, depending on who you speak to, range, but anywhere from 400 to 500,000 people have been killed and several million have been displaced. Darfur is a country the size of France, so it's a, it's a large country. They say almost like a third of the population, if not more, have been affected by the war. And this is a a part of the world that is considered among the poorest. The resources are limited to begin with. 
Yeah, and then and then you start to get into a situation uh, where people are being killed. Well, and, and that's what's happening now even more so is that the, um, the, the organizations, the AIDS groups, the NGOs that have been there, that have been, been helping the refugees and working with the displaced people in Darfur have now had security problems as well and have been either held hostage or threatened, and some of these organizations have had to pull out of Darfur. And so there are a number of people, refugees, that are not being, they have no water, they have no access to food, and they're dying, you know, as a result of just not being in their land and having no access to their agricultural way of, of living. There was a, a war between the North and South in Sudan for over 20 years. And several years ago, in 2003, there was a peace treaty reached between the North-South. And uh, as part of that peace treaty, Darfur was left out of that. In the South, in that peace treaty, gained um, certain privileges that they had been fighting for, government control that they felt they justly had rights to. For many years, the North had exploited and taken advantage of the South for oil. Mm -hmm. That's where the oil was. So when Darfur was left out of these, this peace accord between the North and South, and that, by the way, was um, the, the South of Sudan is mostly animist Christian, and whereas in Darfur it is uh, an Arab, but they're black African Arabs, mm -hmm. and the government of Khartoum is, is Arab as well. So there is the, the confusion is that it's not a Christian Arab thing in, in Darfur. It's, they call it a genocide because it's the black Africans who have been targeted by the government okay. of Sudan. Anyway, they were left out of it, and the, the rebels rose up in Darfur, and it ignited the government, instigated the government to then fight back, and they fought back in a, in, in, in a way to wipe out the people of Darfur, and, and they backed these militias that are called the Janjaweed. Mm -hmm. And in your film, The Devil Came on Horseback, by the way, we're speaking with Ricky Stern about her new film, the new documentary, there is some discussion of the sort of the outside dynamics that are in play here, which is the Chinese have a vested interest, apparently heavily invested in Sudanese oil. Well, 80% of the oil in Sudan is exported to China. Mm -hmm. So China is also involved in building and protecting the oil um, pipelines in the south of Sudan. And in exchange, they, um, the government of Sudan has given access to military, to weapons, and those weapons then go to fuel and and service the war in Darfur. So it's an unfortunate cyclical thing that's happening there. There's been a lot of pressure to get China to pull out and to to really leave the country of to to hurt the Khartoum government by pulling out and not buying the oil in Sudan, but that hasn't yet happened. You know, one thing that we're calling on and the American people are doing now is divesting from Sudan and divesting from companies like PetroChina that are heavily invested in Sudan. At one time, Osama bin Laden had taken up residence in the Sudan, mm -hmm. and President Clinton launched a missile attack hoping to kill uh, Osama bin Laden back in the uh, late 90s. And since then, the Sudanese government has become very cooperative with the United States in terms of intelligence gathering, and right. maybe in some manner of speaking, Maybe it's wrong to characterize this, but is maybe dragging their feet a little bit in terms of addressing the situation. Yeah, I think a lot of people are saying, well, why has the American government not done more? Why are we not enforcing sanctions? Although Bush yesterday said that he would be enforcing new sanctions. But this has been, we've been hearing that a lot for many years now that, you know, there should be sanctions against the government. And I think some of the theory is that the U.S., not just the U.S., but other countries in the U.N., 
don't want to alienate the government of Sudan um, because we are supposedly getting information out of Sudan that we need that would give us information about potential terrorists. Mm -hmm. I personally don't know if that's entirely true, but I know that that is, as you say, one of the feelings and um, thinking behind the government's reluctance to really be more aggressive. You followed Brian Steidel into Chad. Mm -hmm. Did you shoot any footage in Darfur? No, actually, when Brian, when we learned of Brian's story, story, and we we actually met up with him, he had left Darfur. We couldn't go back um, with Brian because uh-huh. we can't go back into Sudan. And actually, the film contains footage from other filmmakers who were there, hmm. but th- from 2003 to 2005, it's very hard now to get footage out of Darfur. I know I mean, people are trying, and, and journal, but journalists were banned in Darfur. I think it was in 2005. Uh-huh. So that footage that we got in the film is, is really remarkable and shows, illustrates the attacks from the government against the people yeah. of Darfur. A great job of editing, too. It seamlessly moves from the stills to mm-hmm. you know, like his, the, the government attacks and then to his, his uh, journey back to Chad. Uh, who's responsible for that? Our editor is named uh, Joey Grossfield. Uh, uh, he is a great editor. Just as you said, it was a challenge to make the photographs really tell the story because the photographs are, are actually very compelling and, and horrible. You know, it is hard to tell a complete film in just photographs, so we, we did move back and forth between those and the images that we did have. He's a fine photographer, too. How, did, did he have any training in that? Because all I knew about him is in the Marine Corps and then going back to, uh, to he work He did, really. Outside. He got himself this camera, and he really... I, I think he would say he sort of learned on the ground, really? and, and that is what he's pursuing now, now that he's back in the States. Yeah, he should. On one hand, they're horrible photographs, but there's a, a beauty to some of them, too, especially that one shot that you have on your poster. Yeah. Uh, it's a stunning photograph. Very telling. I think yeah. it conveys a much of, of what you would hope to convey in the film. Now, tell us a little bit about the progress of the films in terms of where it's showing, uh, theatrical releases. I know releases. we have it here in L.A. It will be uh, in June L.A. First. Yes. Yeah, um, it's opening in L.A. on June 1st, June 1st to the 6th. It's just going to be there a week. It's at the Lemley Music Hall. Okay. At, I think, 6 and 10 p.m. screenings. And, um, and then we will slowly be rolling out the film. The best thing is for people, if they're interested, to go to the website, which is www.thedevilcameonhorseback.com, and we'll be um, listing the screenings as we start booking the theaters. It, it is going to be, it's available, Netflix is going to pick it up, so it'll be readily accessible um, on DVD before it then airs on television. I know, and due to difficulty, Technical difficulties, we were unable to get Annie Sundberg on, but uh, she's up in Seattle showing at the Seattle Film Festival. Apparently, it was sold out performances there. Do you have plans to move it around to other film festivals? or? It's going to be in New York at the Human Rights Watch Film mm-hmm. Festival on June 28th. It's going to be at Nantucket and Newport Film Festival and in um, D.C. at Silver Docks. Uh, also be at Cinevegas in in Las Vegas. So it is going. We have a lot of June festivals. Mm-hmm. And what what kind of feedback are you? I imagine you're getting great feedback. But are you are you been surprised by what you, reactions you've gotten from on the film? Well, not entirely surprised, but uh, but a, a little bit that people are really eager now to yeah. learn about Darfur and come. And every place we've been, we've had sold out shows. And that's not always the case, as you know. In a film festival, yeah. people can be you can have a really hot film and story, but, you know, people just don't always get there. This film has been sold out, and I, and I think I see it growing. I really, from the time we were at Sundance, and Barack Obama is in the film just briefly, and, you know, yeah. I, people didn't really even know who Barack Obama was, and now, of course, everybody knows who Barack Obama is, so it's really in the past three, four, five months, Darfur has really become, there's been a lot of publicity, and become, people are really becoming aware of it, which is great. 
Well, and I think that one of the strengths of the film is that for for those who haven't been paying close attention to the story, you walk us through it in a way that's very easily and understandable, and uh, and and give this this story some context. And then you move into uh, Brian's story, uh, which I think is really going to have an impact on the people who are watching the film. Now, what can people do too? Yes. Uh, besides, you know, they go see the film. But what yeah. can people do to to uh, move our president yeah. and, and move people to uh, pay more attention to what's going on there and put an end to this? Absolutely. I mean, people really can do and are getting and galvanizing in a way that that we need to in order to move the government. If you go to our website again, you, there are we have action cards at every screening which tell people to go on the internet. I mean, one thing call 1-800-GENOCIDE, and you can, you'll get patched in all the way to the president, and you can leave an opinion about what you think about Darfur. So 1-800-GENOCIDE, call that number anywhere, and you'll get um, local, you know, you put in your zip code, and it, you'll get patched in. You can Perfect. go online to Enough Project. You can go on to Save Darfur, SudanDivestment.org, and you can find out where your uh, companies, where if you have money um, in being invested, if one of the, if you're invested in Sudan. If you don't even know about it, you'll find out what companies are invested. So there's a lot you can do, and it's very, it's pretty much all very easy. And it's, very it's letting your local people know in government that you want us to be involved. Well, that's it's terrific, and it's a, it is a fantastic film. I recommend people seek it out. Thanks. Ricky Stern, thank you so much for being here on Film School, and our apologies to Annie Sundberg. Please pass them along for <laughs> us. Okay. okay, thank you very much. All right, thank take you. care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.